Lord, we just thank you for Isabel. We thank you, Lord, for her walk with you, God, her, her sense, the, the sense of intimacy and, and just really being connected to you, Jesus. Thank you for the incredible experiences she's had with you. Lord, I pray that she ministers to us this morning. Lord, let it be something really special for each and every one of us with hungry hearts. Lord, we thank you for this vessel, but our eyes are fixed on you, Holy Spirit. And we're asking for you to come and for you to flow through her and to minister to us. Wow, Lord, I ask for such a, an anointing for today for Isabel, an anointing for today, for the task at hand today. Just come upon her in a fresh way. And give us attentive hearts and ears to hear you, Jesus, as you speak to us. Bring life to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. And Happy New Year. It's wonderful to be here. I just came back from Australia, and yes, it is hot there. Such a need of rain. I'm very happy to be here. It's the first Sunday of this year. The first of seven places around the world I'll be in this month. It's so awesome to be with you, to start with you. Yes, God is good. Um, I want to start by reading on uh, Mark chapter 16. As I have been praying and asking the Lord, what does when he wants to impart and release into your lives? And uh, <clears throat> it's here, starting in verse 14, we read when Jesus appeared to the 11 disciples and he gave them his last words before he went to heaven. Later, Jesus appeared to the 11 disciples themselves and they, as they were reclining at the table. And he called them to account for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after the, he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed in me and has been baptized will be saved from the penalty of God's wrath and judgment, but he who has not believed will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will get well. So then, when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 20, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord was working with them and confirming the word by signs that followed. And the Lord is releasing and is bringing indeed the fulfillment of many promises and he is releasing new impartations and new authority. There is an amazing recording, right? Recording, thank you. Because I don't have notes, just a scripture. Therefore, 
I'm hearing and talking. And the Lord is giving you, a deep, a, there is a, a reward that is coming to you. And there has been a lot of sacrifices that the Lord is coming to reward into your lives and to bring forth for you. You are in the days of a personal harvest. Yes, there is corporate harvest, but there is personal harvest. And your personal harvest has not been forgotten. It is very often to think, well, God is giving us harvest, kingdom harvest, and that's great. When you think of kingdom harvest, many times, many people feel left out. Because, well, I'm just home changing diapers or cooking meals, and I'm just, you know, working at a shop or a Starbucks. How about me? But God has not forgotten you. And there is the personal harvest that comes also with a corporate harvest because they are together. The people of Israel, everybody received their piece of the promised land and then the whole of Israel entered in. And we have to learn to think, yes, we are corporate, we are also individual, but the individual is not separate from the corporate. And so we need to run both tracks at the same time as we advance together. They are linked. You cannot separate the corporate and the individual in the kingdom of God. And one of the things the Lord is going to do and is giving and is going to give you in a great and mighty way is the impartation of this scripture we just read. And I'm saying this with prophetic authority right now for I have been seeking the Lord. I'm not just winging it. And God is giving you an impartation of this scripture for the Lord is, going, is commissioning you, sending you to finish when he began. You see the fulfillment of the great commission and the harvest and the miracles and the power that you have been seeking for, that you have been praying for, that you are fasting for, hinges on the great commission. And the releasing of the great commission, the intention of the great commission has been forgotten in the kingdom of God at large. I'm in a different part of the world every single week of my life and it is forgotten. People talk about so many other things. Jesus didn't die for us to preach the prophetic. Jesus didn't die for us to talk about heavenly experiences. Jesus didn't die for that. He died for the Great Commission to be fulfilled. But we have gone to the left and to the right and we forgot what we are here for. And I believe this year, one of the as kickoff Empower, empowerments of this year is a recommissioning for the Great Commission. You see, and for you, for us, for all of us, but to arise and to say, this is the purpose why I'm here. My purpose on earth is not to be prophetic. I get to do that job by God's calling. But my purpose here is the Great Commission. That's the ministry of Jesus himself. Forget about the ministry of this one and that and that. The ministry of Jesus encompasses everything. Absolutely everything is in the ministry of Jesus. He came to do the Great Commission and he left it to us. He gave us his ministry to finish. 
the Great Commission. Go out and preach the gospel everywhere. Make disciples, another version says. You know, encourage people to believe. Encourage people to follow him. Encourage people to know him. You don't have to be an evangelist to do the Great Commission. You see, when we see this is individual and corporate, the Great Commission is based on who you are and what you do where God places you. You know, it is not about being preachy, preachy. Nobody likes that. It's not about being, you know, super hyper-spiritual. Jesus is not. He was never was. He never was. Don't be hyper-spiritual. Nobody likes that. You know, be real, be you, but carry Jesus. You see, be you and be intentional about the Great Commission. See, the Great Commission is the preaching of the cross, the grave, and the resurrection. That is what Jesus came for. That is what we are here for. That is the fire that needs to burn within us. The message of the cross, the grave, the resurrection. Everything we want to see, everything we long for, everything the world needs hinges on that. It doesn't hinge on the prophetic. It doesn't hinge on, you know, the great apostolic things. It doesn't hinge on anything else. It hinges on the cross, the grave, and the resurrection. All these other things are tools to accomplish that. We're not here to build ministries. We're here to preach the gospel of the grave, the cross, and the resurrection. See, the church, the anointing of the revival of the church of the book of Acts is a fountain that has been capped for a very long time, but it's not gone. That river, that fountain is being released again. And it is being kept pure and clear. The waters of that fountain are so clear and so pure that we have never seen the fullness of a move like that. And God is restoring that. I have seen it. I have heard it. I have seen it. God is restoring that particular fountain, and I saw it here. God is underneath, underground. I heard rumbling during worship, and it's arising, for it is here. And if you are visiting, you are here for a time such as this, to receive this too, and to carry it with you. But God is releasing it, and there's a purity in that river, in that anointing, like it has never been seen. There's a purity, a reality that they carry it. The revival of the Church of the Book of Acts is second to none. There will never be another revival like it, except that it is coming back, that one. I see that particular revival is coming back. And that revival is the revival of Jesus. It's the revival of the cross, the grave, and the resurrection. It's that revival that it is when we come together to fulfill the commissioning Jesus gave us. People, everything he gives us, whatever talents you have, whatever gifts you have, are for that. So that we preach the gospel, that we make disciples. And preaching the gospel involves every area of our lives. It's not just about going around telling people, if you don't get saved, you go to hell. That's true, but it is about how we bring the gospel in who we are. 
Who are you? What are you like? And what do you do? You know, you can be fulfilling the Great Commission playing golf and without even preaching by carrying, <laughs> by carrying, by carrying the commissioning, by manifesting it, by receiving it. You know, when a commissioning comes into your life, it manifests. When commissioning happens, you don't have to say a word. It comes out of you. People recognize it. There is something here. We want to be around that person because there is something that happens when he's around us. You know, he lives at the deposit. Something happens because a commissioning has come from heaven. Commissioning is very different than calling. And we are all have been called to the Great Commission, but now we are being commissioned to the Great Commission to fulfill it. You see, and that is an amazing thing. And I have never released that commissioning anywhere in the world. But today. And I know, and I'm speaking with, with authority, God has given me to speak on his behalf. Because God is restoring. And it is going to be such a powerful, powerful move. Such a powerful thing. Because the thing is, you don't have to be anointed for this or gifted at all. Verse 20 says, and this is what matters, this is the important thing. In verse 20 it says, when they received the commissioning, said they went out to preach everywhere. You know, it's being intentional that your life is the message. That your words are the message. It doesn't mean you have to be preaching. It's the manner of your speech. It's different. It's the words you use. It's how you treat people that shows you are different. It causes Jesus to flow out of you. It's the way you respond when people kick you in the, chin, in, you know, in the shin. It is how you respond when somebody takes your cup of coffee that shows the gospel, that preaches the gospel. It's the opportunities, yes, to preach it and to speak. It is the way you live your life and the way that we talk, that we tell stories. What do you talk about? Do you talk more about the weather than you talk about what God has done in your life? What do we talk about? Do you talk about more about your problems when you are with people than telling stories of what he has done for you, what just happened to you? You know, what is it? Psalm 45 verse 1 says, my heart overflows with a good theme. I sing my praises to my king, for my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. But it overflows from your heart. There are many themes in our hearts. Of course, we deal with thousands of things every day, from the cats, the dogs, to the spiders on the wall, and the bills, and the job, and you know, you name it. We have. But what is the main theme that overflows in your heart? Because those are the praises. That's, what, that's your song to the king. You see, and that's where we have to become so intentional now. For there's an advancement, I just heard the trumpet. There's an advancement for you. There's an impartation. There's, God is moving you forward. You know, people, you have been prepared for this. This is what you have been prepared for. It's not for the prophetic, it's not for the, you know, and I mention the prophetic a lot because that's my turf, so. You know, but it's not just other things. It's about this. 
adjusting there. They went out to do it. It's being intentional to do it, to live a life that's intentional. That your life today will make disciples. That your life today will reveal Jesus. That your life today will cause people to believe and to want to be like you. Will provoke people to hunger. That your life today will cause people to say, I want whatever they have. You see, that is living the Great Commission. You know, there's nothing like provoking people to say, tell me about it. How did you get that? How did that happen to you? How did you become like this? As an open door to preach the gospel. Because they're asking for it. Because you provoke them. We provoke them for it. You see, we need to provoke people to say, what is in the bag? You know, I can smell the bread, but what is in there? I can't get that out of my mind. You know, you said this phrase. Recently, somebody came to me and said, you know, we talked whenever it was. You said this phrase, it will not leave my mind. Tell me about it. I forgot I had even talked to that person one day. But that phrase, something I said, provoked them. Caught her to find me again and say, tell me about it. That phrase, you said this. I thought, wow, I didn't know I thought that way. That was brilliant. And I came out of my mouth. And you see, but is that part of living the Great Commission? That's what they're here for. And every tool you have is for that. You see, the Great Commission is to make Jesus known. And the power of the cross and the resurrection is to draw people to the Father through Jesus. We draw people to the Father through Jesus, not through us, through Jesus. He's the way to the Father, not you and me, it's Him. You see, it's through Jesus that we draw people to the Father. By the power of the Holy Spirit can split the Trinity. We just have to join in. But it says here, they went out intentionally, they responded. They went out to preach it. They went out to live it. We want revival. This is what we have to do. The Great Commission, be intentional to change atmospheres, to shift the atmosphere wherever you are. Not with, because you are prophetic or you are a worshiper or this or that, because of Jesus. Because you are carrying him, because the prophetic in you reveals Jesus. You see, because the worship in you reveals Jesus, because the gift of service in you is revealing Jesus because of the love that is in you and what you do reveals Jesus for he is love you see it says in here they went out but this is the amazing part they went out to preach everywhere they did it they got the great commission they received it and they acted on it it's the action we are lacking we're lacking the action I don't know what we're waiting for but we're wait, you know, waiting for something that Never, you know, James Bond says, tomorrow never comes. So, you know, it has to be now. Just stop living in tomorrow. Today is a good day. Today, people, today. If you don't live today, you won't get to tomorrow. You see, so 
it is responding now is the action that's so necessary and this is here so as as they did that that's all they did they went out to do what jesus said do they that's all they did it says while they went out and preached everywhere while the lord was working with them the great commission you don't do it alone he does it with you you see, Jesus was doing it with them because it is his ministry continuing. You want the ministry of Jesus flowing through you? Make the Great Commission your goal. Make, be intentional about it, about the Great Commission. And you will see him working with you. You don't have to worry about anointing me, about empowering me. You're working with him. He is working with you for the Great Commission. You see, and it says here, but doesn't stop there, as cool as that is. It says, and while the Lord was working with them and confirming the word that they preached by signs and wonders that followed. You see, people, we want signs and wonders. Listen to this. The signs and wonders of the Great Commission are the greatest of them all. If you put this Great Commission, is accompanied by signs and wonders. It is not just words. It, because Jesus works with you to do it. He will. He will confirm it by signs and wonders. He will confirm it by signs and wonders. So you don't have to worry about signs and wonders or pray for them. Let Jesus work with you. The Great Commission. See, for the Great Commission, listen to the amazing signs and wonders as you go out to fulfill the Great Commission. These signs will accompany you. They were given for the Great Commission. You see? In my name, you will cast out demons. They will speak in your tongues. You will pick up serpents. And if you drink anything deadly, you will not be hurt. You will lay hands on the sick. They will get well. The dead come to life because Jesus did. And so people... It is easy to say, well, you know, but the Bible says we will hold on to serpents, we will do this and will hurt us. But read the context of when it was sent to fulfill the Great Commission. You will receive this. And it says in there, no, they may get healed, they will get healed. There is a guarantee here. There was a statement, a declaration. Jesus said, this will happen if you believe and do this. You see? So we have to become kingdom-minded. And as we become kingdom-minded, we get to understand this so easily because we got the Holy Spirit. The wisdom of the Holy Spirit is within us if we want to participate. You see, but the signs, the wonders that we have been searching for, we have been wanting, we have been pressing in for, are available. Just position yourselves to do the Great Commission. You see, make disciples. Preach the gospel and make disciples. Like I said, you can preach the gospel in many ways. 
And your example is the best way. Your life is, the, is more powerful than words. You want to preach the gospel, your life is your greatest message. The way you are at home with your wife, with your, with your husband, the way you are with your children, with your neighbors, the way you respond, everything, the gospel. You know, receive, making sure, see, if we want to carry, give out the Great Commission, go out to fulfill the Great Commission first, we have to receive and carry the fruit of the cross and the resurrection. You cannot give what you don't have. You see, it's easy to speak words. They don't do anything. It's when you live it, when you carry it, and it comes out of you. And then you minister, you speak, you greet, you say good morning to somebody. And the fruit of the cross that is within you, the fruit of the resurrection comes through you. It's not just a simple hello. It changes the atmosphere for that person. Something happened when you walked into the room. That's what happened to Wigglesworth. He walked into the room, the demons freaked out. I was just in Germany recently. It was the coolest thing. And this one church, there were, I don't know, 400 people in one of the meetings, at least. And about in every session, and there were turnarounds of people, so sometimes, you know, you have more, and some come and some go. In every session, 90% of the people went to the demonic deliverance, corporately. And I wasn't preaching that. I was just doing whatever, whatever it was I wanted to do because, you know, I, I gave up notes a long time ago. I just help Holy Spirit. He talks, I repeat, he does, I, I help him. That's all I do. So, you know, he's in charge, so I just help. But, so, we were watching, and it was the coolest thing. Because, see, I was watching the Great Commission in action. And demons will flee. Demons will, you know, cast out demons. I tell you, when you have 90% of the people hearing, manifesting, demons are freaking and leaving. And I just continue teaching. I didn't stop for the demons. Why do I have to? Jesus is working with me. If he's working with me, he takes care of the demons. He's the one who does the signs and wonders. You see, he's working with me. So demons were leaving. The pastors were saying to me after, have you ever seen anything like this? We have never seen anything like it. You say, even when people come to say hello, demons are leaving and they're shivering. Demons are leaving just by talking because the atmosphere was charged with the authority of the Great Commission. You know, we had healings and miracles, brain injuries healed right there. You know, word of knowledge. And you know, the healings manifested because this is the power of the Great Commission. You see, but the thing is, like I said, we have to embrace the fullness of what Jesus paid for. We are very light. Our understanding is so superficial of what happened in Calvary. And we think we understand it, but we don't. And I don't know, for me personally, I want a full revelation of it, but I probably, I don't think I could stand it in my humanity. I may send me right to heaven. 
you never ever get a full revelation of what happened in Calvary. But Calvary was a horror like no other horror has ever, ever existed and will ever exist. Calvary, what happened in there, Hollywood could never reproduce. It's impossible. Nobody can imagine what actually happened in Calvary. You see, when we think about Calvary, what Jesus did at the cross, we think, yeah, he paid for our sins, and our sin this night, this is wonderful, you know, thank you, Jesus. And we have this idea of Jesus hanging in the cross like this, you know, and the crown, and, you know, some blood dripping, and something here dripping, and, you know, and this, and then so whipping in the back. Let me tell you, when Jesus was this in Gethsemane, he was completely freaked out of his mind. You know, there's the level of stress and anxiety Jesus experienced at Calvary. In his humanity, it's real. There's, I studied this years ago, but there's a medical term I forgot. That, you know, when you reach the level of anxiety when the blood vessels break and blood comes out of your pores, it's a real medical thing. And Jesus reached it. Most people, it's not common because most people die with a heart attack three, about four levels before, three at the least. Nobody makes it past two, three, hardly ever. Jesus could not die from a heart attack. You know, so he experienced the fullness of it in Gethsemane. The level of human anxiety that he reached, none of us could ever imagine. You would not be alive if you had experienced it. And before that, before even going to Gethsemane, one day he was with the disciples shortly before, and he said to them, I am troubled to the point of death. He was completely freaked out. That's what he was saying in our language of today. You know, he was freaked out of his mind, like his humanity was stressed out of his mind, anxiety. He said, what shall I say to my father? Get me out of this. But this is the very reason why I came. So his name will be glorified. You see, but when you read this and you understand it from a heavenly perspective, Jesus was not going through that because he was going to be whipped. Because he was going to get some nails on his hands and feet. He wasn't going through that because they were going to put thorns on his head and mock him. Not at all. Those things, with the help of the Holy Spirit, are survivable. I lived through, through, through persecution for the gospel. I was whipped with chains, beaten with chains. And I know what Paul said when he said, within, I've been beaten within an inch of my life. I faced death for the gospel. I experienced physical torture for the gospel when I got saved. So I know that part. And I know what Jesus was going through was not that. You see, because that will, it's not, not at all. What Jesus, why Jesus being whipped, you know, and beaten, that's not what cost him that. Isaiah 52 tells us what happened at Calvary. And that's the part that we don't understand. And we need to be desperate because how can we keep out really with power and authority what we have not received in fullness. 
Which is Isaiah 52, verse 14, I believe. But in there it says, you know, when Jesus was there, when Jesus was at the cross, it said he was, when he was finished, he said what was left at the cross had no human resemblance on it. He said there was no way it could be recognized that it was a human being hanging on the cross. Now that is a level we don't think of often. When he actually went to the cross and that is when he was, you know, in his humanity, being challenged, being tormented by the devil, trying to make him quit. You know, because that part is what the horror of all horrors was about. It wasn't about the beating. It wasn't about dying at the cross. It wasn't about, you know, it is not about the dying. It's about how he died. It's the way he died. That is what caused him the agony of Gethsemane. Because it says in there, he was not physically, he could not be recognized as a human being. That's why it says when the soldier, when he died and the soldier looked at the cross, he believed he was the son of God. Because of what he saw at the cross. The transformation of what Jesus suffered at the cross, that horror that he went through. As Isaiah explains it so well, it is so amazing. And that is when he became every sin. He didn't carry it. He became every sin. He became every disease. He became every captivity, every addiction, every curse, every demonic bondage. He became it. So that we, and that we can be free today, but that is what? He was going to go through at the cross, at Calvary. That is why Jesus was like that. And he was, you know, afraid in his humanity. And the work of the cross is a three-part process, people. Psalm 103 says very clearly, you know, at the cross, Jesus took all our iniquities, all our sins, all our diseases, and delivered us completely from the pit of despair. The work of the cross falls all three. Jesus paid equally for redemption, healing, and freedom. A hundred percent. However, we have focused only on redemption. We have learned to accept Redemption, forgiveness of sins, we're not going to hell. And we embrace that, but we have to embrace the other two parts equally. You see, and that is what the Church of the Book of Acts knew. They did that because they saw him at the cross. They actually saw it. They knew what happened to him. They had a first-hand account of what happened to him. So they believed it in a different way. And they could stand and there and say, he died for this or be healed right now. Because they had this revelation that at the cross, he became that disease. And the authority of it was different. 
And that's why captivity had to leave. Demons had to live immediately. Demons had no place, no bondage could stand because they knew what Jesus died for. What he looked like when he was at the cross so that you can be free. Freedom is a real thing. You see, today, today people, and we have to go from, well, maybe to it is. There is something that, you know, there's a fire we need under our chairs for the other two parts of the cross, people. Because he died equally for both of them. And the Lord said to me, unless my people receive it equally, they won't live it. You see, and is that part of understanding? Holy Spirit, show me the cross. What happened that day? And that is what causes us to go out to fulfill the Great Commission. You see, that's all that we need, people, to fulfill the Great Commission. See, the work of the cross is so amazing. It never ends. And there is no end to it. You cannot, no matter how much you peel it, there's never enough layers to end it. We have the cross, the grave, and the resurrection. Everything hinges of it. All signs, wonders, miracles, and power flow from that. Everything flows from that. That's why Jesus will join you and work with you. Because it's him. You see, and he will do it. You don't have to worry about the miracle part, the signs and wonders. He does it. You see, as we just saw in Germany, he, Jesus, you know, confirmed the words I was preaching by this manifestation of signs and wonders in the meetings. Meeting after meeting after meeting, 22 meetings. They were all like that in four parts of Germany. And the stories that have gone on you know, amazing, because he is the one that does it. I was in Sweden recently with this group of people who had never heard much about, you know, science, wonder, supernatural, and that. And I don't travel the world to preach the prophetic. I, you know, I do the work of a prophet because I work with a prophet. I help him. So I get to be part of his work. But you see, and signs and wonders happen because he works with me. He does it. It's so cool. You know? So he makes me look good, but that's all. You see, but so these people there, and they were, you know, like the kingdom of God. We're talking about the kingdom of God. This is school, and there in the Scandinavian nations, they have, you know, very different from our catch the fire DNA. But anyway, and the coolest thing was happening. You see, this is what we see the Great Commission, because I base everything on the cross, the grave, and the resurrection. Not on the prophetic, not on the anointing, not on this, not on that, not in this heavenly thing or this heavenly. I stick with the word of God. And so, you know, it was bought at the cross, so I can serve it to you. So anyway, as I was speaking and telling them the, th the things that he does, behind my back, the supernatural was happening. It was the coolest thing. And miracles and supernatural opened up and people were seeing and I was seeing their faces as this. And they were watching and they were pointing, looking at each other. I had no idea. And behind my back, the atmosphere opened up. 
the supernatural was manifesting. And then the students said, that's what the Bible means when it says that he will confirm the words by signs and wonders. You see, I was just teaching the word, he confirmed them with the signs and the wonders. You see, and when we see people like Reinhard Manke, God confirmed what he preached with signs and wonders. You see, but he preached the word of God. And so the signs and wonders follow, they follow, they're there, that's what it says, people. And see, that is the cool part that you don't have to worry about being anointed. You will see an increase of healings and miracles easily by the coffee fountain at work, or the, the water fountain or the coffee pot, or, you know, because if you carry it, it comes out of you. You see, so we have to under, embrace and understand the fullness of the cross the grave, the resurrection. Paul said in 1 Corinthians verse 1, he said, for I didn't come here. I'm so grateful, he said, talking about the baptized disciples of this one and the other one and Apollos and Paul. And, and then he said, I am grateful. I didn't, God didn't send me to, to do that. But in verse 17, he says, he sent me to preach the gospel, the undiluted gospel. The undiluted gospel, he uses those words, the undiluted gospel. He said, not like others who are preaching fancy doctrines because they are afraid that the message, the gospel of the cross has lost its power. And you see, when you lose that the foundation of the cross, the grave and the resurrection loses power for you. You stop preaching out of that. Then the signs, the wonders, the fruit of it doesn't manifest. Because it is the gospel of the cross, the grave and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus that heaven is endorsing. It's not my ministry, it's not your ministry, it's not, you know that. I know that. It's not our ministry. You know that. It is Jesus and the work of the cross and the resurrection that it endorses. But when that is lacking, when we move, when, when that loses power in our lives, then we need to find other doctrines to draw people. You see, then we need to talk about heavenly things. That cause people, okay, hunger for the for heavenly things, hunger for the prophetic. You see, the prophetic has never saved anyone from, from, the, from hell. It's Jesus. You see, and it is about, we begin to, and the fancy doctrines, bless you, dear, fancy drug doctrines going around right now. Chase after this new revelation, chase after that new revelation. There's, this is the revelation, people. We've got it. We need to go back to the book by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord told me, and I want to pray to release this into you today, because he told me he's releasing now the anointing of 
the, for biblical miracles, for biblical power, biblical supernatural things that from scripture, what, you know, living the Bible is really cool. I like to live the Bible. I purposed my life when I was 18 years old. I don't want to read the Bible. I want to, don't want to know the Bible. I want to live it. I want to live the Bible and experience the Bible. So that made my life incredibly eventful. You know, I've been raised from the dead twice. I've seen many things, been persecuted, I have seen miracles, I have experienced the God of Moses, the God of Abrahamian experience. I know. I walked through this. You know, I've been job. I was just job. The last years of my life I was job hundred percent. You have no idea. I have never in my life lost so much in nine months. Everything that could be taken from me was taken from me in every area. I became job to the point that my dear mother, Caroline, in the kitchen said to me, honey, you're 100% job. There's nothing left. It wasn't just that my husband went to heaven. There was a lot more. It was a chain reaction where I literally was sat on the ash heap of job. And I thought, I signed up to live the Bible. I can have coffee with job now. Sub stories. I know in my flesh, in my soul and spirit, the journey of Job. I also know the restoration of Job. That had begun a while ago, and I'm living the restoration of Job. You see, and like Job, I stood there and I said to the Lord, and I have been ministering for all these years, and walking with him, and I said to him, I looked at God and I said, for now, I thought I knew you, but now I do. Now I really, really know you. I know you. And I know him in a way that I tell you no one, there's nothing that can change that. I know him. And I said to him, for that, for knowing you like this, I have no regrets for what has, I have been through and everything that I have lost and everything, but sitting for nine months on that as heap of job. You see, and I can preach now the restoration of job. Not because I know it, because I carry it. But for that, I had to sit on the ash heap. You see, and the part where we get confused is that we think that Jesus was Jesus and Jesus was God. So of course Jesus did this and that and the other thing, you know, well, he was God. He could do this, he could do that. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that he is stripped off from all divinity, all divinity. He left it in heaven, all his divinity, he left it in heaven. And he came in full humanity, carrying deity. Yes, he never lost his deity, impossible. Son of God and God himself. But he came, he, Jesus 
didn't do anything on earth as God at all. Scripture is very clear. He didn't do anything, not one single miracle he did, he did it as God. So the excuse of that was Jesus, of course he could, doesn't work. Because he didn't do anything as God. He had not one ounce of divinity in him. He had it was full humanity. And everything he did, from birth to going, to being taken to heaven to, at the end, everything he did, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He couldn't do anything without being empowered by the Holy Spirit because he left his divinity in heaven. Now that is awesome. Because everything he did, he did it in humanity by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in divinity, nothing as God, but as man empowered by the Holy Spirit with deity. John 14, he said, and this is a promise. If you believe in me, you will do, this, do the same things I have done. And even greater things than those you will do. That's a huge promise. And it is happening. I'm seeing it happening. We are seeing it happening. When I say we, it's not imaginary friends. I work with the Trinity. It's four of us. So we travel together. We minister together. We are a foursome. You see? And so I think of we and us. <laughs> and so... You know, we are seeing and happening in fullness. That description is being fulfilled. Because Jesus said you will do even greater things than this because I am living, but my Father will give you the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who empowered him to raise Lazarus is in you to do greater things, to do it too. There's no difference. You've got the Holy Spirit. So people, we need to wake up. And we need to get excited, stop being passive. With all respect, I'm Canadian by nationality or by citizenship, and I love Canada as my homeland. I've been here for longer than I lived in my, the land where I was born. This is home on earth forever, and I'm proud to be Canadian. But so there is this part of I'm a foreigner too. And you people are extremely passive. <laughs> I'm Latina, we have fire. You know, you people are passive. You are peacekeepers and peacemakers. I know. God bless you all. But seriously, come on, move something. Some days I'm thinking, ah, oh. I'm a foreigner. So there's, I will always be a foreigner, even though I'm Canadian. But you have to be a foreigner to appreciate that. Canadians don't. There's nothing worse in this country than a four-way Stop. With all bases loaded by Canadians. And you stand there, oh Lord in heaven, this is one of the, I pray that, that, that the Lord spares me from this all the time. Please don't let it happen. Because you can be sitting there for 20 minutes while every single driver goes, you first, no you first, no you first, no you first, no you go, I can't wait, you go first, and you sit in there like that. You know, because it's natural for you to be courteous, polite, you're Canadians. And I'm there, and I'm thinking, oh, 
somebody do something, but I'm afraid to push the gas in case one of them do, and because I'm, I have to learn to be Canadian, so I'm thinking, okay, no Latina, Canadian, no Latina, Canadian, breathe. <laughs> no, let somebody else go first. That's Canadian. Someone else goes first. Oh, dear. It's the funniest thing. You are the only nation in the world that does that, by the way. No other nation does that. But you see, we have to arise. Because you have, you can say, but it's just me and I'm human. So was Jesus. So was Jesus. Empowered by the same Holy Spirit. For Jesus was one day with the Pharisees. And they said to him, show us the kingdom of heaven. Now this is amazing. And Jesus said, see we are constantly saying kingdom come, heaven come down to this, to that, you know, kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven came when God, Jesus came and God released the Holy Spirit. It came. So praying, heaven come down, it already came. You see, but he said, show us the kingdom of heaven. When will we see the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of observation. That you will say, look at this here, no, look at this there. In other words, it's not about the oil on the walls, the gold dust and all of that. Because to say this is the kingdom of heaven, that's not it. Jesus said, that's a manifestation, but that's not what it is. Say so it's not a matter of observation. Saying, look at this here, look at this there, look at that. He said, for the kingdom of heaven is inside of you. Because you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you already. You've got Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of heaven that you are praying to come needs to arise. It's not kingdom come, it's kingdom arise. Jesus prayed kingdom come. He had not gone to the cross yet. And the Holy Spirit had not been released. Since that prayer, it happened. You see, he went to the cross. He rent the veil, opened up the heavens. And then the Holy Spirit came. So now we have to let that kingdom within us arise. Arise. That's the kingdom that arose in Peter and when he walked, his shadow healed people. You see? The kingdom within you has no limit. It's within you already. It is inside of you. The kingdom is in you. So I'm going to finish with this. Then we're going to pray. Because we have to learn, and this is pivotal. I want to leave this with you because it is so pivotal right now that without this, this doesn't happen. We have to learn to be intentional to live in heavenly perspective. We are extremely bound to human perspective. Human perspective is bounding us. It is limiting us. It is robbing us. Human perspective is the door for the devourer, for the thief to come to steal, kill, and destroy. It's human perspective. That open door that we give him, as long as we have human perspective, we will not see God's glory manifesting as it should be. We will have 
moments of glimpses of it, but we're not going to have it as it is meant to be. This revival we're praying for here, this release of these deep waters, the deeper springs that have been saved for a time such as this will not manifest. That, you know, the signs and wonders that endorse the Great Commission will not manifest. And it's all human perspective. Jesus was talking to the disciples one day and he was telling them what was going to happen to him when he went to Jerusalem. He was going to be captured, beaten, tortured, killed, and yada, yada. We know the whole thing. He told them everything in detail. And so they heard him. Then Peter took him aside. And Peter said to him, you know, out of the 12, Peter, took him aside. Peter was the only one who was not afraid to make mistakes. Yeah, he was the only one. I so admire Peter. He was not afraid to make mistakes. And he trusted Jesus. They had a different relationship, Peter and Jesus. And he trusted him to the level that he could be real and make mistakes. That's amazing leadership on Jesus' part. But it's amazing relationship of trust. And Peter took him aside and rebuked him and said to him, that cannot happen. Heaven forbid that happens to you. We have to do something, we have to stop this. You know, in other words, don't go there. Like common sense, really. If that's going to happen to you there, don't go, let's go the other way. We already know in Jerusalem that will happen. So we don't go to Jerusalem. Let's carry on. You see, let's find a solution that changes the situation. And Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. Now we know he wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was rebuking the source of that revelation. And see, we have to be very careful. Not every revelation comes from God, even if it sounds good. You see, anything appears to be good is not from God. We have to be discerning as to the source of revelation. And you know, that's what Paul did when he, the woman with the spirit of divination in the book of Acts, was following them around saying, believe, listen to these men. They are the servants of the one true God. They're the real deal. Listen to him. See, human perspective would have said, my gosh, look at this. Even the devil is endorsing us. Isn't this wonderful? You know, she's speaking the truth. It's opening doors. People trusted her. They believed her. The town went to her, and she is endorsing them, opening doors. Now everybody will listen. But Paul discerned the source of the revelation. It was demonic. And he didn't say, oh, no, you know, this is good for us. Look, the psychics are opening doors for us, or something like that. He didn't do that. He rebuked the source of that. Don't receive any blessing that comes from the wrong source just because it looks beneficial. Be careful what you are receiving. Look at the source. You see, because Paul rebuked the source. And many people say, but why would he do that if it was true? She was saying the truth. But it was a wrong spirit. You see, be careful. 
We have to be discerning. There's so much trouble because of lack of discernment. And so, anyway, Jesus did something. He was rebuking the source of the revelation that Peter had to fix the situation. And he said, get behind me, Satan, because you are a deadly trap to me. This is Jesus, full humanity, but fully empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he said, you are a deadly trap to me, a stumbling block to me, because you perceive everything through human perception. You process everything through human perception, not heavenly perception, human perception. Another version says, because you process everything according to human point of view, not heaven, heaven's point of view, God's point of view. Another version says, because you process everything according to what is important to man, not what is important to God. That's the difference between human perception and heavenly perception. Human perception requires understanding and explanations. It requires that things make sense. When you live your Christian life requiring understanding and needing things to make sense, you are living human perception and you are stuck on the deadly trap. You will not see the signs, the wonders, the miracles. You will not see the glory of God. You will, you will be robbed. The devourer will still kill and destroy. Be very careful. The heavenly perception is different. What is important to God? That is where everything we're waiting for. Your miracles, your destiny, your promises, everything flows through heavenly perception. Through heavenly perception, you partner with heaven, you partner with the Holy Spirit, you partner with the Trinity. Through heavenly perception, you live the Great Commission. In all things, when you develop a heavenly perception, it's not convenient to me, doesn't make sense to me, but is it convenient to the Father? Is this something he wants? What is the source of this? You know, I was a pastor for 25 years and in leadership for 30 some and so on. And so many times the brilliant ideas that came out of many of those meetings were human perception. How to make something work, how to make things make sense if we do this and that. And no wonder things didn't happen because it wasn't focus all those meetings we were at, we were not focused on heavenly perception. It wasn't what would make sense and what we could explain to people. Human perception makes you want to be able to explain it. Heavenly perception doesn't. God knows what he's doing, we'll see. You know? And so, here we need heavenly perception, people, in these days. It's very, very important so that we can live and enter into this. I promise you, you see, if you purpose, if you choose to live the Great Commission, make that the purpose of your life, that every talent you have, every gift is for that purpose. In your way, you and Jesus. You and the Holy Spirit, making the Father know, like it is a partnership. He works with you. You see, you will see the greater things promised to you come to pass. They are for a time such as this, they are for this purpose. They were never to build a ministry for you. 
they were to fulfill to continue the ministry of Jesus the great commission church of the book of Acts in action today the spirit without limit comes from Jesus not from anointing it's Jesus today the signs and wonders you have been waiting for come from him to live the great commission he said it to his disciples, not to the crowds. A great commission was given to his disciples. If you are a disciple, that means an imitator of Jesus. To purpose to be like him and imitate him. A follower of Jesus. That's what it means. Being saved doesn't mean you're a follower of Jesus. Being saved gets you out of hell to follow Jesus. It's different. It's a choice. To follow him means I will be like you and I will walk in your shoes, in your footsteps, sorry. And I will partner with you and I will. I choose to be like you. To imitate you, like Paul said, be an imitator of me because I'm an imitator of him. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I will preach your words. I will speak like you. I will reflect you. That's what that means. You see, Jesus said, there was a condition. Put your hand on the plow and don't look back. And that is extremely important. You have to let go of the past. You cannot live in the past and fulfill the Great Commission. You see, Jesus said, you have to put your hand on the plow and don't look back. We are very attached to the past. And because of human perspective, a heavenly perspective says, letting go of the past, for behold, I'm doing a new thing. You see, forgetting the former things, forgetting what has happened. I'm doing something new. That's heavenly perspective. Human perspective is, but it was so important. But it hurt me so much. But it made me so happy. But it was so good, but it was so bad. How can I let go? How can I leave that as in the past? How can I just let this be just a memory? I just lived through that in the last 16 months or so. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you want freedom from grief, which he gave me? He said, you have to let Ivan be your past. He is your past. I have walked the walk. I don't talk about things I don't live. And that was hard. It is hard. Because letting go of the past is not just letting go of the bad things you have lived. Also, the blessings of yesterday are past. The man of yesterday was good for yesterday, not for today. The joys of yesterday are past. They're past. They're memories we can relive and they're wonderful. But they're past. And the problem is, you know, when we get, keep attached to the past and saying, well, but, you know, and being able to let go is hard, yes, but we got the Holy Spirit. And I have lived it, and I know it's true, and it works. You see, but, you know, letting go, even of the wonderful things of yesterday, 
to embrace the new things. You cannot embrace them. You cannot make room for blessings if your life is filled with the blessings of yesterday. You need to make room for the blessings of today. You see, and it doesn't mean you forget people or you forget the, good, the blessings of yesterday, but you don't try, you don't keep them in your present. It was, it was, but we are here now and we are going there. You see, letting go, understanding from heavenly perspective, past was a minute ago when I stood there. I cannot go back and relive it. Past is actually past. You see, past is five minutes ago. It's done. It's done, it's done, it's done, it's finished, it's done. You moved on from five minutes ago, it's done. That's past. You know, from heavenly perspective. So that you can step into today and live your tomorrow. Don't be like the wife of Lot. She could not let go of what was behind. And because of that, we know what happened to Lot's wife. She got stuck. She froze. You can stay, be like Lot's wife in your circumstances, frozen in there like that, like Lot's wife. Because she could not let go of what was behind. And so, she couldn't continue. And then she was this pillar of salt, frozen forever. I've been a counselor for over 30 years. And most of the people who are stuck in oppressions, in depressions, even in griefs and in troubles and circumstances and all kinds of things, is because they, have been, they are living like, like Lot's wife. They cannot let go of what is behind. And therefore, they cannot move on. You see, and that's the part where we need to make room for the Holy Spirit to come and meet us in there and take us ahead. Lot and the rest of his family did not look back. They went forward. They received full freedom. They received everything. But his wife got stuck. And if you're stuck, it's very easy to fix. You see, let go of what was yesterday. Let go and don't look back. Put your hand on the plow and do not look back. That's why we have inner healing. Thank you, Jesus. You have no idea how much inner healing I've had in the last year and a half. <gasps> so, please stand with me. Only if you want to consciously fulfill the Great Commission. And you will receive empowerment, and you will see the glory of God, and you will see harvest, and you will see, like I said, I saw it here during worship, and I know it's what God has for you today. But I want to charge you like it says in verse 20, they went out and did it. That's the thing. That's the thing. And I can tell you with authority from heaven, the rest of the time from now till Jesus comes back, 
is going to be about this. The fulfillment of the scriptures. Not the fulfillment of great doctrines, the fulfillment of the scriptures. The cross, the grave, and the resurrection. The undiluted gospel has never lost its power. 